This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS presents Ambush Opening of Christopher and Eric. Welcome to the show, the podcast, the new episode. Surprise! Okay, we, we're all... The show has started. We're all higgledy-piggledy, as Eric Shaw Quinn likes to say on this One podcast. One of my favorite things. Our sound genius has a hangover, but we're not allowed to say why. And we we shouldn't be embarrassing like him like well, this. Well, I think we are. it's pretty obvious why he has a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the drinking. I mean, there could be some other reason, but I don't know what it would be. <laughs> I know, but we can't say why he was drinking because it's a big secret. But he was drinking, and he was drinking beer, which apparently he's not used to drinking. So we had. Well, this is America. People do not need, here in Russia. People do not need an excuse to be drinking. <laughs> Um, anyway, so if the show drops out today, if there's an interruption in the sound file, we know it's because maybe he's not just hungover, he's still drunk. But in Russia, they need an excuse for stopping. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, I spilled tea all over. This is just going to be a mess. This episode is going to it's be- It's piggledy with Christopher and Eric. A mess. Okay, I want to get right to this because we had, this is one of those instances of organic Facebook things happening on our behalf, lining up for today's show Which topic. Which means we're going to bury it in the garden later and see if the roses bloom. <laughs> you see if, it's, you see that. if it smells like manure, that's usually what organic right? means, right? Right, I think so. So we came up with the topic for today's show, and then we put a question on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page. We did not reveal what the topic was, which was why we were asking the question. And one of the respondents to the question, stay with me, it's not a shaggy dog story, I promise. I don't know, it's getting pretty shaggy. <laughs> one of the respondents beautifully set up the topic of the show. It was almost like he understood where we were headed. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. And so his answer, when I read it to you, I'll, I'll read you the question first, um, and I'll stop explaining because I'm getting a look <laughs> from Eric Shaw no, Quinn. I'm just sort of like, this is like the, I don't know what the, why, we can't say why he has a hangover. It's like, well, there's a 50-50 chance that he's going to be able to pick the book that this is <laughs> Well, also, I think we're putting it in the title of the episode, so that makes this even dumber. It's an even dumber intro, but okay, so here's- But it's actually kind of a cool moment, and so, and yeah. um, our party person will be apparently quite delighted. Stephen M. Fink, that's the party person we're talking about. Yeah, there's something going on with Did my you wash it in the dishwasher? No, but it has water up in the bottom. This is really. I thought hard. you took them home to wash in the dishwasher. No, I took the plates home to wash in the dishwasher. A peek behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen. 
the ones with the gold rims on them? No, the microwave. Oh, plates. the microwave. Plates. Yeah, they okay. had like a sticky film on them that was an indescribable color. So I decided it was time that they actually get washed in a dishwasher. It was Chinese food colored. It was that. Chinese food colored because that's what we had last week. Okay, 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 okay. Enough, enough, Tom Fuller. Really? Enough, enough. <laughs> What will we talk about? We're going to talk about Stephen M. Fink because we asked the following question. And Stephen never participates in tomfoolery. Never. If you could be an immortal, what type of immortal would you be? Would you pursue power Igneous. over... <laughs> Metamorphic? <laughs> Eric loves a good rock joke. <laughs> would you pursue power over mortals or withdraw from mortal life completely? Would you become a force for good... Or a force for your own appetites. Who does that sound like? Hmm, I sense a literary influence coming through here. So this is what Stephen M. Fink had to say. Okay, this is something I've given a lot of thought to. I've read most of your mother's books, and while I love her depictions of vampires and thought it would be fun to be one, I never liked their weaknesses and the fact that they had to give up their humanity and become monsters. Then I found Ramses the Damned. There's like a whole hand puppet show going on here. The story about the Ramses the Great, I'm reading what's it's written here, that I think that the was unnecessary, but the story about Ramses the Great finding a magical elixir that makes him immortal, and he gets all the benefits with none of the weaknesses, I always thought it was perfect. And if I could become an immortal, that's how I would want to do it. After taking the elixir, I would want to learn at the feet of a master the ancient queen from the second book. She was absolutely my favorite character from the new book, and I can't remember her name, damn it. Totten. Thank you, Eric Shaw Quinn. Baby, my favorite. I love Beck Totten. I would seek her out and learn everything I could about being a good immortal, apprentice myself to her for like 200 years, you know, and then go out and see and discover everything I could. I think that learning about it from someone like her would hopefully turn me away from being a cruel or evil immortal. Oh, and Christopher... Please, all capitals, write another sequel. I love the second book so much. Uh, and get your mom to have an unabridged version of the first book made. All my books these days are audiobooks. Getting lazy in my old age, I got off track. My apologies, smiley face. I would want to be a good immortal, though I would wander around and learn as much as I possibly could, and I would live. Well, Stephen, you're in luck, because it turns out... It's wish-granting day here <laughs> at the... Uh, it's not the dinner party show. Here no. at uh, TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. We are releasing... <laughs> Higgledy Piggledy with the, Christopher and Eric. We are releasing the third book in the Ramses the Damn series on February 1st. Dun, dun, dun. 2022. It is called Ramses the Damned, The Reign of Osiris. And uh, we just revealed the cover all over the internet. A few days ago, so that's why we're all doing over it. it. All over. We tried it. scrubbing it out. <laughs> we tried spray cleansers. And, and Eric Shaw Quinn, you are one of the only people that has read this book. So thumbs up or thumbs down? What did you think? Should we? Should, <laughs> was it worth a third? <laughs> should we have I, stuck to two? I love this series. I think it's really fun. The thing that I always think of when I'm reading it is how many other books I want there to be. Oh, cool! Like I want. Be- I, I want. To go back and have a Beck Totten book, mm-hmm. I'm crazy about her. I the the book of the ancients that we talk about, um, mm-hmm. going through Cleopatra's experience and her. What is the heiress's name? That's um, Julie Stratford. Julie is the Stratford. heroine. No, the the heiress from America. Who, oh, Sybil Parker. Sybil Parker mm-hmm. and um, and. Cleopatra could have their own mm-hmm. separate. Oh, knock it over your teacup there! Very so excited. excited. Um, it is higgledy piggledy day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they have their own sort of American uh, journey. There's mm-hmm. there's just a host of different topics that suggest themselves. Yeah. And the the book of the ancients, the ancient world that you allude to through Bechtotten mm-hmm. is very intriguing to me. Yes. Bechtotten has chronicled all of her experiences in journals called the Shaktanis. The, 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 the yes, origin story of Bechtotten is that she presided over an ancient global kingdom that collapsed to famine 10,000 years ago. Uh, and it, the seat of it was in the Sahara Desert, which at that time had a markedly different climate than it has now. It wasn't a desert. It was more, it had trees and savannas on it. It was it was a different place. And so that was where her kingdom was based. And then it completely collapsed. Why are you laughing? It's just like savannas as a plural. <laughs> savannas. <laughs> I'll have three savannas. And some plains on the side. What? Um, so... That's her whole, and she, as we reveal in the second book, invented the elixir. That's not giving too much away. You sort of know from the minute she comes on the page that you know that the elixir was stolen by Ramses when he was a king. He drove it, he drove it, <laughs> he drove it, which is like drinking, but if you're a king, it's like you don't drink like other people. Or from uh, the reggae culture, the- <laughs> drove it. <laughs> oh my god, okay, in, anyway, uh, the Caribbean. That's enough. Um, Plot spoilers, but the third book, yeah, it's coming out. The cover's out there, um, and that's why we asked this question today. Because you're right. I think the I, I think Stephen is right. Ramses is a different type of immortal from Anne Rice's vampires. Because Ramses does not have to kill to stay immortal, or alive, or to subsist. And yet, <laughs> and yet, every now and then, someone really pisses him off, and he's really powerful and can break Shit stone with happens, his hands. Yeah, um, you know. Okay, so, but you, I mean, you did, you did like the book, basically, I guess is what I'm gathering. I love the book. I'm sorry. Why would there be some sense of. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so. You get like this sometimes, but. Well, you know, it's like, you know. Like when I started calling that one book that you wrote Goodnight Moon and you thought that it was because I didn't like the book. It was called The Moonlit Earth and you called it Goodnight Moon. But then I called your book The Prince's Psalm, The Princess Diaries to get back at you. No, no dig against the Princess Diaries, which I haven't seen. They could be lovely. They are. They're they are. really great. Hello, trolley people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Stephen was not the only person to answer. We also got an answer from Frank Crumry. Fortunately, <laughs> other people look at our Facebook page occasionally. <laughs> it's not just Stephen. Thank God. We love you, Stephen. But, yeah, we are hoping that more than one person is listening to the podcast, but if there's just the one, you know, we hope you're enjoying we're it. We're going to do it for you and only for you, Damien. Because we're not stopping. It's uh, all for you, Damien. Frank says, assuming immortality as in being indestructible, I would do all the crazy dangerous things that pop in my head, like running with the bulls, skydiving, going to space, all the stuff that fear of death and leaving loved ones behind keeps me from. That right there is an amazing question. Like, what would you do? Not just what kind of immortal you would be. Right. What would you do, Eric Chalkwin? What would you do? Like, the thing, like, he touches on the thing that is the most intriguing to me. It's the thing that comes from all of the books and several people in their responses touch on the idea. The thing that immortality offers that I think your mother nailed pretty early on is living without fear because mm-hmm. fear of death informs most of the hu- the human experience the difference between being human and immortal is fear mm-hmm. you if you remove the fear if there is right. nothing if you're not afraid of disease or death or fire or famine or whatever then life completely changes into something else and so 
I, the thing that I think of with it is sort of like a um, uh, the Groundhog Day kind of approach. You don't do the same day over and over again, but you can say, okay, I'm going to become a world-famous concert pianist. I'm just going to do whatever it takes mm -hmm. until that happens. And okay, I did that. Now I'm going to become a world leader. Okay, now I'm going to be a famous general. Or mm -hmm. now I'm going to be a wonderful artist. Or now I'm going to be a trained singer. Or mm -hmm. now I'm going to be <laughs> like that kind of – there is nothing to – because most of the things we do, don't do in life, we don't do because we're afraid. Right. Probably of failing at them. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. certainly fear stops us from doing so. I love the sort of uh, write a bull named Fu Manchu mm -hmm. sort of approach to um, what is that? Uh, it's a, uh, that's Faith Hill's husband. Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw did that song about. Um, Ride the bull name. I don't know the song. I can't remember. We'll we'll figure it out in the break and or someone on Facebook will figure it out for us. Tell us, but it's yeah. There's this whole list of of skydiving and bungee jumping, and I think all those things are in. Like like why even have a bungee cord if you're immortal? Just go jump off the Grand Canyon and see what happens. Like because there are no those consequences would be removed. I certainly think those, but I think the thing that the fears that I would look at right. would be, you know, asking out the prettiest person in your classroom or whatever, mm -hmm. all of the things that we didn't do because we were afraid in life. And there, it's not usually running with the balls. And the, but that's such an interesting one because you're right. But like, why would that connect up with a fear of death, the fear of asking out the prettiest person in class? But it does in a weird way. Like, we feel like we're going to die if we get rejected. But would that fear be gone, too, if our fear of physical death had left us? Would rejection hurt anywhere near as much? I think it would still have the potential, those kinds of things. Like, what if I'm an immortal who can't play the piano? Oh, God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that would be, that would kind of suck. But it wouldn't be, it wouldn't. It wouldn't waste a part of my life. It wouldn't limit my life. If mm -hmm. I spent 60 years trying to learn to play the piano and it just really didn't, I was okay. Right. Yeah. I could do happy birthday. And, <laughs> the 60-year happy birthday. And, uh, and Mary, you know, and uh, Hark the Herald Angels. And, you know. And Hot Crust Buns, right. the one everyone could play right. in third grade. And chopsticks. Right. Um, but, um, because I'd still have a million years left, you know. But mm -hmm. So I think there's that side of... Because our mortal life is limited, you know, I ask the prettiest person out and then I'm humiliated and then I have to live in this school mm. as, oh, that's the guy who asked out the pretty person who mm. laughed in his face you right, know, or yeah. whatever it is yeah. who ran for president and got two votes. Mm -hmm. ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. Like those kinds of things feel like death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, they're life-destroying, even though not in the most technical sense. But what type of immortal would you be? Do you think you would be out for power? Or would you be, you've described kind of an artistic academic immortal, right? Trying various Yeah, pursuits. like the Bechtotten, I think it's part of what I love about Bechtotten is because there isn't the limitation, like, I would hate to give up daytime, although I do much prefer the night. So if I had to, I would mm -hmm. pick the night. But... Yeah, and I would not like to have to. I would like to be able to go and eat in all the restaurants in all the world. The thing I would not want to be, like, is I was thinking about this when I, we, you first brought up the idea for the show, was I wouldn't want to be, um, 
I wouldn't want to keep getting older. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, at what point do you become immortal? Like, if I could be an immortal 25-year-old and have my body working in the way that it did when I was 25, as opposed mm-hmm. to becoming immortal now and having to deal with my body working the way that it works now for all of eternity, that might be less appealing. I'll never like, forget. If you were born an immortal, would you stay a baby forever? I know. That was the one that... I would never forget your reaction to that movie, Jupiter Ascending, where I guess they're, I don't know, aliens or space travelers, whatever. It's not a great movie, to be frank, and I'm a huge fan of those, yeah. the Wachowski sisters. But it, it, was, was a... it could have been a great movie. But there's a bathtub that one of the villains gets in that de-ages her like back to 23. The actress is Tuppence Middleton, I believe her name is. And she just gets back. She looks like 65 and then she gets in this tub and she gets out of it a few minutes later and she's hot and young and whatever. And Eric was like in the theater. He was like, I want that bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you need to stay immortal. You need right. a, a cleanse system. I need that. Yes, I need the anti-aging uh, bathtub new from Kohler this season. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So we've talked some, and we're going to get into more answers from the it's party. Like, what people. if you were an immortal who aged? Uh, no, I don't like that. What if you became like you know, like a giant sequoia? Like if you, yeah. like you actually. You mean you didn't stop growing? You, like you, you continue to be? Well, I don't mean that you <laughs> you're got to a be colossus tall. Maybe I don't know. Like, what if you just kept going? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I find that to be an interesting aspect of immortality because with the vampires, they seem to sort of revert to being young and beautiful. Although um, Magnus, Magnus did not. Alessandra did not either. Right. So I don't know if that's the, um, that's a given necessarily with. I think the thing, we talked this over with how it would happen when you drank the elixir in the Ramses the Dam novels that became immortal. And it was like a more vital and healthy version of your current self came into being. So if your hair was kind of on the fence, it got a shine to it. But it stayed gray if there was gray in it, I think, to a certain extent. Uh-huh. But it is interesting to talk about this difference between the vampires and the immortals. I mean, Yeah, we, I mean, if I could be healthy, then But that's here's the here's thing. one of the things that they do have in common, which I think goes to your point about how do you endure eternity, which is they both kind of have an off switch. Vampires, her vampires can go under the ground and stop feeding and desiccate and go as close to death as they can possibly get, and then they can reawaken, right? So they can sort of take a break. Um, these immortals in the Ramses novels, if they wall themselves off completely from sunlight, they also go into a kind of coma. They don't desiccate quite as thoroughly, but they do sort of wither a little bit, and then they can be reawakened uh, with exposure to sunlight. Right. And that's how you break up the what I imagine must eventually be the monotony of it all. I guess that's the part of – your mom has talked about that, and it happens again with uh, you guys in the – 
in the the mummy books and mm-hmm. the but that's an aspect of it that I don't necessarily see as as finally is that it doesn't seem monotonous to me. It seems like there is a limitless amount of stuff that you can do. Like you're, it's like, okay, you had the experience, you had that life mm-hmm. and now you can have another life. Yeah. You know, now you can you get to do it all again. And I think it would be hard saying goodbye to your mortal, yes, your mortal friends and loved ones. I think that would be tough, but we do that anyway. But the greatest fear that the, the Anne Rice immortal has is loneliness. It's isolation. And loneliness. I yeah, think. I'm not all that put off by. Isolation. Yeah, like I'm not much of a people yeah, person. I like it. I like people just fine, and I like, I I really enjoy being on my own, wandering the world mm, without fear, without any of fear or molestation right, or assault right. or disasters or starvation or anything. Anything yeah. like just wandering the world and exploring and whatever just sounds amazing to me. Imagine like just saying, "I'm going to go walk across the Andes." Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go see what's down there. I'm going to yeah. go walk across Antarctica. Yeah. <clears throat> like, wow. Um, to have that kind of privilege. Like, lonely? Yeah, I guess so. But then you go find some people and you, you know, you have lunch. <laughs> and if you're not a vampire, you don't have to have them for lunch Right, either. right. Okay, Natalie uh, Gutemason, whose name I always mispronounce. And I think maybe I don't pronounce mispronounce it as much as I think I do. She's one of our most loyal and wonderful party people. Says, great question. All through my 20s, I fantasized about having Anne Rice Universe vampire powers. I would have strived to, to be the do-good vampire. Empire and use my powers to protect vulnerable people on the streets at night and convince, she puts in quotes, corporate CEOs and politicians to do better. But as I get older, I'd rather be an immortal elf-like being that can shapeshift and commune with animals, and I would retreat to what's left of the world's deep forests, or better yet, live in a parallel world that is untouched by pollution. However, now that I am a mother, I don't want immortality at all. Oh. Surprise ending. And I know, right? A twist at the end. I'm telling you. Being an immortal parent and being being guaranteed that your children will die before you. Right? Wow. I guess that would be that's what we were talking about. What kind of immortal would you be? You write mm. you've written about it. Like I I'm the Ramses kind. The, I'll tell you the thing that Ramses gets to do. He gets to eat. He can eat. I know. That's as what I was saying. Much I, to be, as he wants to not to only. And he have never gains blood. any weight. Yeah. Right. The yeah. idea is that he's so alive, he has this metabolism that's just roaring, and so they eat constantly. They always have little beef Wellingtons. I love beef Wellington. You know, like all that sort of stuff. You found delivery beef well, Wellies, Welly Wellies, Wellingtons, L.A. I think it's called. They deliver. You can either get it ready to bake. Or already baked, and it's just this big juicy piece of meat wrapped in dough. It's like it's like what if your boyfriend had dough all over him? It's fantastic. <laughs> Stick around for the jokes. Um, so you're a cannibal? Is but that what no, you're saying? no, I just you know piece of meat, whatever. <laughs> Gay. Um, so oh. yeah, you can get it, you can get it delivered. They also have New Tellingtons, which is like Nutella inside of a bunch of. Uh, this is news. I haven't yes, heard this part. You yes. didn't tell me about that. Did you feel I would feel too I, deprived? I did. You're so you're so diet focused so much of the time. Um, but yeah, being able to eat, being able to experience, see the vampires have to give up a lot of experiences, as you pointed out earlier, they have to give up sunlight, they have to give up the taste of food, that taste of wine. If they order coffee in a Parisian coffee house, it's just to warm their hands. I remember when mom and I were working years ago together on a, on a script, I had Louis 
drinking tea. And the, the, the note in the margin from her was, vampires don't drink tea. <laughs> I was like, oops. I think that has to do with her hostility to, to tea. tea. She hates tea. She hates tea. I have a line in another book coming out next year that I quoted from her, which is, tea tastes like half of something. Which just means she's drinking the wrong tea. She's drinking the wrong tea. I mean, we're drinking tea right now. But that has to do with, your, you know, like tea is an acquired taste. I agree. But it also has to do with what you're choosing to yeah. consume. Because, yeah, there's plenty of tea that's like less than half of something. But this is what we have discovered because we are warriors and soldiers for truth here at the Dinner Party Show. Yeah, we're... Definitely warriors and soldiers. That's how people would describe us. <laughs> Dilettantes and sophisticates That's, is more. Yes. yes. Um, you need to transition off of... People think there's going to be such a caffeine drop from coffee to tea. No. You need to transition for a little bit, and then you will get your zing. There is some tea out there that will whop you upside the head and have you jumping on a trampoline. I'm telling you, just having a, a Trenta, I think they call mm-hmm. it, of... Iced black tea from Starbucks, I'd yeah. set you free, babe. Set you free. A heart be racing heart along be with racing. the rest of your system. Absolutely, as I like to say here on the show. Angelina Farmer, our the f- boss of us. Oh, I almost called her our favorite, which I wouldn't do. No one is our favorite. We love you all equally, but she is one of the best and the most active on our Facebook and page. And the bossiest. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be an immortal, she says. I wouldn't want to watch the human race repeat mistakes and be able to see the rut it's stuck in. Even when the way out of the rut is literally slapping them in the face and they choose to ignore it. I wonder what terrible public health crisis she's talking about. I just end up sleeping a lot and hoping to wake up someday in a smarter society. <laughs> Which is kind of what Lestat does in The Vampire yeah, Lestat. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the big advantages. Like, all of this would seem like much less daunting to me, Angel- Angelina. Angelina? What, did you think she had a different name? I you oh, thought I, she was Angela Farmer, didn't I you? I thought so. Angelina. For Angelina. I'm looking at it written down. Have I been calling you Angela? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Angelina, Angelina, anyway, Angelina. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point of immortality for me is that, oh, okay, well, this will pass. And, you know, things would seem more like a blip. It's kind of – it happens with aging. Mm. Like, How so? Well, one of the things that I experienced with – a recent president mm-hmm. um, was that I had experienced other presidents, a lot of mm-hmm. other presidents that I really hated mm-hmm. previously. And I knew that while they were terrible, while they were there, eventually they were gone mm-hmm. and it began to, you know, shift in a different direction. And so if you were looking at that on the continuum of thousands of years as opposed to just dozens, right? Um, it might seem less consequential. Yes, absolutely. But do you think you would start to see, like, you are a history buff and you watch a lot of nonfiction history programs. Sometimes, I'm not talking about the ones with aliens that we sometimes talk about here. (laughs) Um, But... Do you? Uh, what, yeah, I'm not considering those necessarily nonfiction. <laughs> not the one where the with the Anunnaki yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, no, no. Um, I the the repetitiousness of the larger cycles of history. Do you think they would lead you into despair to to read about the Spanish flu and to hear people making the same mistakes and being just as obstinate about masking? And that's what I mean. Yeah, like I would look. I would be able to like Beck Totten can look at tectonic change. Right. You know, she could look at. Wow, the Sahara used to be a jungle, mm-hmm. and now North America is temperate and the food basket of the world. Like seeing things on that kind of mm-hmm. time frame, as opposed to 
a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meh. If I was ten thousand years old, what would a hundred years seem like? Yeah. You know, not it would still be a hundred years, but it would. I would have the knowledge of how how extensively things change. Whole civilizations rising and falling. Yeah. You know, whole um, technologies being lost into the mists and understandings of the world and philosophies coming and going and right. the rise and fall. Because humans are just trying to figure it out. I mean, we've gotten into a place of a blaming, mm-hmm. we're in a blame kind of driven culture right now and seeing humans as somehow this force for necessarily evil or doing bad stuff. Pollution, as if we pollute the earth with our presence. And maybe we do, but Mm -hmm. like all of it is just about trying to figure out how to be here. Yeah, right. Like we were just trying to warm things up and have some light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. We didn't know it was going to wreck the the climate. Mm -hmm. And now we need to do something to fix it, which can be daunting when you have political and economic forces fighting against doing what is the obvious choice mm-hmm. of things. But if I was 10,000 years old, I would know that, well, they'll be dead in 20 years and right. we can move on or do something different. Or Yeah, or there'll be an unavoidable apocalypse that right. will or shape, the, or, the planet. Right, or there'll be another ice age and, you know, The, the thing that I said again. to you the other day on the phone, it was a slightly different context. It was the disaster that we are preparing for is not is often not the disaster that happens. The, the terrible Japanese earthquake in, I believe, 2011, the one that hit on my birthday, March 11th. Drink, I'm making Everybody it about me. Everybody drink. The whole earthquake was about Christopher. That earthquake, the epicenter of that earthquake, was not in the location that they had always believed, the, in, off the coast of Japan, that the worst earthquake would come from. It was not the location they were monitoring heavily and constantly. It was it was at a remove from And it. the dinosaurs thought it was going to be a completely right. different asteroid. Right, totally. That was Absolutely. not the one they had their <laughs> it was, eye They were on looking at all. over there and the asteroid that hit, hit came Yucatan. from over there. Yeah, it, was it was like, like we oh totally we thought Duluth was toast, man. We were going to Yucatan for spring break, man. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, anyway. Now it's a hellscape apocalypse. Veronica Castro does not in our camp, she would be a vampire. Although really an immortal, she says, would be a goddess of the earth. The first would devote myself to my appetites. The second, to help life evolve. That's her describing her motives as a goddess of the earth. So yeah, it's like you gotta eat. Even an immortal's gotta oh eat. Oh my God, and you, if you could eat everything you want, I just think that's... Oh my God. Yeah. That's so good, but would the taste of everything go away? That's the thing. Would the removal of the fear of death, would it remove the preciousness from everything? No. No. <laughs> I'm glad. Eric's like, please take the fear of death away. Good Good talk. talk. Thanks. Right. Good talk. Yeah. No, Nutella would still be. Mm. Yeah. Trevor Schaefer says this in response to our question. I turned 50 in August. Congratulations. That's so cute. Stick around, babe. Uh, Happy birthday. So I've been thinking a lot about age and my place in the scheme of things. I'd like to think I would use immortality to become a guiding force for society. I've seen a lot happen in my life, and I wish I could in some way help steer the world towards becoming a better place. Not in a Pollyanna kind of way, but big picture, long-term ways, social reforms, end hunger, stop poverty, etc. I would hope that in a century or two, I could help the world move towards its potential. Then I would rest and drink bottomless mimosas. It's good to have goals. And I think that's really one of the things I love about... Um, your mom's visions in the Vampire Chronicles is, you know, you put 
a little money aside in the bank and then you wait 200 years and it's really Mm -hmm. it's a lot more money like those kinds of investments in a lot of areas of the world could really pay off including these social changes right you know if you could build and create um an organization or some kind of uh some kind of movement Mm mm-hmm and continue to build on it for hundreds of years. Right. Think of the social impact you could have right. if you weren't relegated to you know, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. of maybe having as much impact as you can and then that being lost and having to start over or going in a different direction. Or mm-hmm. you know, They talk about standing on the shoulders of giants, but what if you could be the giant? Yes, be the giant. That's the hashtag. Baby. Eric Shaw Quinn, be the giant. Yes. Anna Maria Rios Alvarado says, I could not be an immortal. I'm much too attached to my friends and family, and I could not remain in a world they are not a part of. But if I was one, I'd like to think that I would become a force for good. Good. Yes, absolutely. That's nice. Uh, Andre Lavoisier says, I would like to be a wizard like Gandalf. I, I didn't mean, know Gandalf was immortal. Wouldn't that be? Well, they were really old. I don't know if they were immortal. I don't remember that specifically, but they had been around for a while. Okay, pop quiz, Eric Sharquin. I'm going to put you on the Uh-oh. spot. Other than Anne Rice, outside of Anne Rice, what other depictions of immortality do you enjoy in pop culture and entertainment? That's a really interesting. Like the the one that came to mind... Well, I'll tell you, the one that came to mind first. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. The first thing I thought of when I saw this question was Highlander. Oh, you know, I've never seen Highlander. It's a really interesting kind of look at the sense of, like, there can only be one. So there's always right. this battle to be the Highlander, which that seems a bit, but it makes for a good movie. It's fun and exciting. But, yeah, that was this, that was the first one I thought of when, when I thought of the question of what kind of immortal you would be. Because while I, you know, love the vampires and the Vampire Chronicles, I'm not sure if I would want to have to drink blood no. and give up food Sex. Sex, that's the thing. And the day. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not sure if I would want to give, that's a big sacrifice. It's an interesting intellectual question of would you be willing to give up all of these things in order to live forever? And Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, maybe. If that was my only option, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I had other options, then I would like to be able to continue to indulge my appetites and participate in the world because there are many aspects of it that I like. May I ask you a stupid question about Highlander? Okay. Highlander is an actual historical term for someone from a certain part of Scotland, right? Isn't it a term for an ancient warrior that was part of history? The the movie is supernatural, obviously, that you're talking There's about. There's an aspect of being the, yeah. Okay, because Highlander romance novels are a big thing, and I think they're just sort of historical about maybe yeah, I don't think they have to medieval do with, Scotland. I don't think they have to okay. do with the, um, 
with the, I don't, you know, like, again, you're asking me about something I don't really know very much about. I don't know what those I'm going to do about. that for the rest of the episode. I'm and, just going to keep the rest asking of our lives. surprise um, stuff. Eric, if a train leaves Duluth any at thoughts, 1230, um, any final thoughts on trains in general? Um, but yeah, I think that's, I, I believe that's a completely different um, thing. Okay. A, a completely different thing. I'm calling the right name Outlander. That's no. The, that's I think they're both from that. I think they're both Scottish terms, Highlander and Outlander. Right. And the, the Highlanders are the people who are from there, and the Outlanders are the people who are not. I guess so. And I guess the idea is that in that show, she's the Outlander because yes. she came from the future. Okay. Sassanak. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, okay. I, I thought. Um, I was intrigued by, oh, God, I'm forgetting the damn name of that Charlize Theron movie on Netflix recently. Old Guard. The Old Guard. Yeah, that was the yeah. second thing I thought of, was Old Guard. And that, to always be a warrior, that seemed exhausting to me. I wouldn't yeah. want to always be a warrior. That, yeah. I love that show, and they're always fighting for the best, but that's a lot. I'm seeing Seems a exhausting. pitch. I'm seeing a pitch about... An immortal restaurateur who started as like a tavern owner oh, that is and now so, has a big restaurant in a big city, right? And spends his time traveling the world and eating in For all recipes. the great restaurants, absolutely living, living in fabulous hotels. And keep your eye out for it. Yeah. Okay, Simon Ammer from Down Under. I always worry about being captured and imprisoned until I lose my sanity. Imagine being in a bricked up wall for centuries. I think that would make me be hermity or at least nomadic. I wouldn't want to worry about a hidden portrait of myself, the reference to the portrait of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, or having to decapitate other immortals in a Highlander situation. Yeah, there we go. Really, that's a down, definitely a downside. He would be more into something like finding the Holy Grail, and I drink from it regularly, and I found someone who didn't bug me. And if I found someone who didn't bug me, I'd give them a sip. And there's the Kohler bathtub near this Yeah, season, absolutely, totally. Where you climb in, and yeah, that definitely would be, you could invite somebody to join you for a jacuzzi. Justine Adamek is kind of in the Eric Shaw Quinn camp. I would just live forever with the mortal world as my playground. Absolutely. That just is the perfect description of what to do. Uh, Eric Creech, I think none of us are completely altruistic and very few of us are completely selfish. I would be somewhere in the middle. Perhaps be a patron of several charities I believed in, but also wear leather pants. <laughs> so you see wear leather pants as the selfish choice? You know, leather pants. I went through a leather pants period when I was kind of a nightmare it twink. It's really hot. It is not only hot. I don't mean hot. like a Paris Hilton kind of way. No, like it's Physically hot. really hot. And you're really only going to wear them to nightclubs where it's even hotter. So you're mm. supposed to powder down and you have to shave everything like a dolphin. I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah, like, that's, they seem like they would not be very comfortable. They were really not comfortable. I had a very, very unfortunate fashion period around 2020 through 22. The growing um, fashion trend towards men wearing skirts interesting. is interesting to yeah. me. Like... I, I've only ever done it, you know, like for the theater, mm -hmm. for different costumes and whatever, where I was in robes or whatever. And yeah. then one time when I did my one trip to drag, where I was, went to the- Tell red, us about your one trip red, to drag, Eric Shawquin. That's a different show. I we'll, feel like that's in our archive we'll, somewhere. We'll save that for Halloween. Surely I've talked about it and posted that picture before. But yeah, it was it was a lot of work for not the best result. I, I only did it the once. But the, the sense of like- 
it seems much more vulnerable to me. Uh-huh. All of your private bits are just basically like right there, like woo, there you are. Right, like, absolutely. Pants feel more like armor compared to skirts. Okay, we had some. Um, but you could wear a leather skirt. We, I know, and there was a movement to make the utila kilt a thing. Did you ever see utila kilts? You would see these big sort of manly men wearing these like kilts that were also tool belts. You know, whatever works. Um, yeah, I think that's like a house dress. Yeah, you know. totally. <laughs> With big pockets. Totally. Okay, the last ones here are pretty funny. Sia Marie. I would be immortal and in the world. I would satisfy my appetites, but they tend toward the altruistic anyway. I think I would be Countess Socialista, Excellent she capitalizes. Choice. Right. I wouldn't turn people, though. I would turn cats. <laughs> <laughs> Beckton has an immortal cat in the Ramses the Damn novels. Yeah, so you know we're we're one step ahead of you, Chia. See ya. <laughs> what are you? To, to, to see ya. I was just the immortal cat gesture. I did an like, immortal cat gesture. The hand puppet thing is continuing here. I, in the studio. I put my hand out as if I were cupping a small bowl, or then, an immortal cat yeah. is sitting in my palm. And then yeah, then circled the fingers so that they would support <laughs> like a crystal ball. It was very very Our, interesting. Our only one-word answer came from Gina Rowden. Excellent. I didn't think of this one. Fairy. Very good choice, Gina. That sounds fantastic. And then the only honest person in the bunch, fellow podcaster Brad Shreve, uh, who I, I think it's Queer Writers of Crime is his the name of his podcast. Currently, I have been a guest. He says, I would use people as pawns for my enjoyment and carnal desires. <laughs> Excellent. So how is that different from not being immortal? <laughs> right, exactly. That's how mortals all behave. Well, that was a fun, fun thing. I enjoyed everybody's answers, and I thought that was a perfect and way. And everybody will enjoy the wonderful new book yes. that we are using this as an excuse to talk about. But Ramses the Dam, really The Reign excited. of Osiris, is available now for pre-order wherever books are get pre-ordered, Amazon and beyond, and Barnes and & Noble, and all those good places. And that cover everywhere. Look out for it and yeah. let us know what you think. Yeah, totally. We talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot. Dozens yeah. and dozens of texts. Yeah, so absolutely. So any final thoughts, Eric Shockwin? I'm sorry, is the show over? <laughs> no, I don't know. I would say we just we covered everybody's um answers, which was great. Uh oh. Now what do we now we have to talk to each now other? Now we have to talk to each other. There are things to talk about other than our sound genius Brandon's hangover, which we covered at the top. Which of the we show. can't talk about because it's very secret. I, I usually we do a brief tease, but I think we are do, we're doing a true crime TV club in our next episode. That's coming back. And as we always say, I could give a longer version of our disclaimer. There is no reason to actually watch the TV special we are going to talk about in advance. However, some of you have tried, and the results apparently were not good. The Cindy Conforti rule remains in place, and she says our version of the shows we talk about is often better than the shows. We don't, well, we do have commercials. But we're not dissing the shows because we actually love watching these shows. So Not all of them. Not all of them. Well, sometimes they're like the one, the... That one recently where they just reinvented history. Oh, my God. So that the guy, the victim of the crime could just not be gay because it embarrassed the family. Straight at at a strip club when really he was murdered by a guy trying to pick him up at a gay pickup spot outside an adult bookstore. That was the real story. When he had a grinder fail. Yeah, and he had a grinder fail. Um, 
but this is a show that was like somebody early, early on when we first started doing this said, please do an episode of this show. Oh, and there's going to be more than one episode of this oh show. Oh, my God. This was Southern Fried Homicide. We'll save our comments for next time, but. But it's season three, episode three. Oh, f- uh, Evil Among Us. I thought I didn't include the episode title in the show notes. I was about to curse up a fucking storm. <laughs> because he does these extensive, elaborate show notes. I mean, there's, uh, yeah. I, I think, what is that? I mean, this in all seriousness, isn't there a disorder where people write obsessively, like a graphophile or a graphic, not graphophobe, that would be afraid of writing, right? Or something like that, yeah. I I think I have the rights too much problem because I'm really, you're right, like, I'm going to peek behind the curtain again. I, I watch the show on my computer, okay? I do a split screen, which you can do on a Mac. I don't know if you can do it on a PC, I have the show taking up most of the screen, and then I have the Word document open on the screen on the left. So like a court reporter, I'm practically writing a transcript of the entire show so that we can repeat it the next day. Well, I think you experience life in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I don't know of a term, like maybe. Graphophile seems, um, but it it doesn't seem like that's a very, it's like the description, the word would need to mean that, um, that that's the way you hear and experience the world. That it's mm-hmm. um, that it's about. It's a way of processing and organizing. Yes, right. Like one of the funniest moments in our friendship um, involved me. Christopher had come by to pick me up, and I, you know, went downstairs and walked out to the car. And by the time I got to the car, Christopher was having a conversation. He was alone in the car, um, and writing it down in midair. He does this thing where he right literally writes with his finger in the air yeah. of what was going on and was completely had been transported to another dimension where all of this was happening. I was. So that when I tapped on the window... It's too it, embarrassing he, to say it, what I was thinking. Yes. sailed through the roof of the car, which did not have a sunroof. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, do you want to know what I was thinking? Do you want to tell us? I, I was on The View in my mind. I was arguing with the ladies of The View. Oh, God, what a waste of time. I know. It was ridiculous. But um, when I was a little boy, I had a trampoline that my parents let me use in the living room, a miniature jumper or whatever they call it. And I would I would jump up and down and I would do re- kind of repetitive gestures as I did it. Um, you know, like I would sort of write in the air and play with my ear and... My mom was describing this to her, a mental health professional, and the mental health professional's response was, I think he should come see me. <laughs> Speaking of trampolines. Yes. Oh, no. Have you put together no. your new trampoline? That fucking tramp. I can't believe I have bought- Have you touched it since you bought no, it? No. I was on the phone with you, and I was like, I was all proud. I'm going to open my new trampoline and brag about it to Eric Shaw Quinn, because you're so competitive when it comes to home trampolines. Absolutely. And I, I was like, this box is too small. This box is too small. What is the deal this here? This plum is too ripe. I, it was all folded up. I was like, I don't want to assemble a trampoline. Like, I don't. Uh. And so I said, I'll do it later. I put it in my storage room, otherwise known as my, formerly my cat's room and formerly my guest bedroom. I have not touched it. In <laughs> the, fact, I have jumped the, the previous space. one. I 
popped three more springs off the old one it needs to replace. So like you're going to break your leg rather than put together uh, the new trampoline? Twist an ankle, I maybe. knew that was going to be the case. When you, you know put what? it in that room, I knew you were not going to assemble that Tomorrow, trampoline. when I have a day off, I'm going to assemble that trampoline. I'm going to assemble that trampoline. But we will check back with you, Chris. I can't Rose. believe I'm agreeing to do this on the show because that is so going to... I'm going to be in for Well, it. I knew it would never have any impact on you if I asked you in real life. Well, I think... Oh, know, sure. I'm absolutely... I'll get right on that. I'll get right on it. Right. Absolutely. Oh. oh. Sorry about that, guys. Right? Did you hit your face? No, it was my hand. I was oh. reaching up to scratch my face. and I think Brandon's hangover is contagious, even though we have not been drinking. <laughs> I think it's like the hangover is drifting into the main recording room. Uh, oh. No, I am not hungover. I am doing just great. So what are you binging? Um, I what did I? Well, you know, I was actually watching. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago because now that we're all sent back home again by the uh, the moron uh, I, I, epidemic. Yeah, I'm home, but I'm not as I'm not as at home. I'm being safe and taking precautions, yeah. and I'm vaccinated, but I'm not as at home as I was last year. Right. You know, I've been going to the gym. We mask up at our gym. It's a requirement. I go to restaurants. They. The, the rule here in California right now is if you're not eating, if you're moving about the restaurant, it's the same as it was before they right. lifted the indoor mask mandate and then put it back in place. So there's that. I um, watched a lot for this this week. I watched a lot for the show. We're going to be talking about something in a few episodes that I watched last night. Um, but what, what, there was something else you watched that you a recommended. Lot of, you watched a lot of 9-11 stuff. Oh, in, God, yeah. As we were observing that tragic anniversary. I did. I watched um, the new National Geographic special, which you can stream on Hulu. Uh, it is, I think it's six episodes. It is a production of the 9-11 Museum, which is in New York at uh-huh. the site of Ground Zero, which I have been to, and I highly recommend it for... I highly recommend it for anyone who was almost too young to remember that day because it really lays it out for you. And I would say so the amazing. same thing about the special. The special is only survivor stories. It's a lot of upsetting video, you know, and you need to be prepared to watch it. But it's not pundits. It's not politicians. It's not architecture experts talking about the buildings. It is just the first-person accounts of people who lived through that day. And... It takes you through the North Tower, and then the second episode, you got to go back in the timeline and go through the South Tower. So, like, you have to be prepared to see that horrible day from multiple angles, and it doesn't just sort of proceed. So, from one of the things that. I loved about that, um, the show that we did, the, mm-hmm. the, the movie, woman the, who the wasn't documentary, there. the yeah. woman who wasn't there, it was the same thing. It was about the survivors. Yes. That was far more interesting to me than going back through the horror of the. Yeah, you know the the political implications or the horror of the moment, or yeah, even the mechanical explanations. Like it fell, whatever yeah. the reason, it fell, and people were killed. And that was that to me is like okay, I can't go through that, but I am very much inspired by hearing people's stories of it. So that's a great way to to. I'll, you know, I'll share this though. This was a detail, I, and I'd watched a lot of nine eleven specials, and, and this was a detail I had never heard before. They interview one of the fighter pilots who was scrambled to protect Washington D.C. that day after all of the planes had hit, after the Pentagon had been hit, and they were really looking. They knew there was one more plane, and it was United Flight ninety three, but right. I don't think they knew the flight number yet. Right. And she says that it. They there were all these conspiracy theories that they shot down Flight ninety three. Well, she says. She doesn't address them directly, but she says, our planes did not have missiles because it would have taken an extra 10 minutes to load the missiles, and uh, we didn't have the time. 
And so as I was getting in my flight suit, um, the other pilot I was going to be flying with, he said, um, I'll ram the cockpit. And she said, okay, I'll ram the tail. And that's what they were prepared to do. To, they were going to fly. To die in yeah, order to. A suicide or at mission. least parachute. Least, exactly. But, um, but yeah, to, to try to save the. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, so don't want to end necessarily on that somber note. It's a very powerful special. I'm dealing with the fact that at 20 years, we have a whole generation of grownups that doesn't remember that day. That day was so formative for me. I was 23 years old. I was beginning adulthood. You had sort of just moved back to Los Angeles when around 9-11, right? I had been in London for the previous year and had moved back and was sort of getting things up and running again. I moved back that May, I think. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, was... uh, Sort of getting the and there it was. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. I was just curious because we yeah. had talked about binging. I wanted to reach out and thank somebody. I should have looked up who um, suggested that they were loving going uh, binging uh, Frankie and Grace. Mm-hmm. Or Grace and Grace Frankie. and Frankie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whichever it is. Yeah. Um, and I was reminded that I had liked the show, but that it had been too soon for me mm. when it first started. The the topic of the gay couple and gay marriage was like too, was too soon. Tell us what the setup is, though, in case people. Don't the know. setup of the show is that there are two couples. Mm-hmm. They are older people. They're in their seventies, I think. Everybody in the show is the both couples are, and the husbands have been in a long term, more twenty years plus love affair mm-hmm. with each other, and they have arrived at a place in life where they. It becomes possible for gay people to get married, and so they decide mm. that they're going to divorce their wives and marry each other. Mm-hmm. And the wives end up living at the beach house together, and the husbands live, end up living at the house in town together. And you see these two experienced, mature couples in their own weird way, one a romantic couple and the other roommates, the these um older women dealing with the stuff older women deal with, plus this incredible sort of social mm. phenomenon. Right. Um, and it it's very well done and amazing. And the cast is phenomenal. It's Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda and Martin Sheen and um, Sam Waterston. And I, it's, it, it goes on and on. It's a, it's an amazing group of people and they're doing a wonderful job, but it was just too soon for me. Mm-hmm. It was just, I watched, I think maybe they, premiered the first eight episodes and then stopped or something. But I had watched about that many, mm. apparently, and just said, I, I can't do it. It's just too hard for me. Um, but somebody suggested it, and I started watching it again, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's been long enough now. Wonderful. And all of the other seasons have since been uh, produced and premiered, so I'm getting all of that as well. I have Fantastic. all this backlog of Frankie Grace. So thank you, whoever that was who suggested Frankie Grace and Frankie. I don't want to. I have an idea, but I don't want to say the wrong person because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I don't. I like to make people feel good. That's what we do here at the dinner party show. Right, we're the feel good people. We're the feel good podcast. Right, here at we're, we're blue skies. All right, uh, Christopher, that's enough of out of you. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> well, this is going to be a quiet couple of minutes. <laughs> Brandon, how long do we have left? Uh, 
Oh, well, we can listen to you for one minute. So. One minute. I just want to remind everybody that uh, Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club is coming back next week. If you want to watch ahead. Thank God. Southern Fried Homicide is the show we will be discussing, and we will be serving up episode three of season three entitled Evil Among Us. But, of course, you do not have to watch. We will serve it up. But you can, because that's how a TV club or a book club yeah. works. Everybody watches the same show, and then they talk about actually, it. Actually, but... at my experience as a book club, nobody actually reads the book, and they come for the wine and the snacks. And, and to listen person. to what I yeah. have to say and about to listen the book. to what Eric Shawquin has to say <laughs> about this wretched book that Brian made us read. <laughs> that was oh our book Oh, my God, club. that was so funny when he made us read the first of a trilogy. And oh we were like, my God, it's be, a trilogy, not only be no ending. but we're not getting an ending. That was really all right until next week and forever after i'm christopher rice and i'm eric shaw quinn you've been listening to tdps presents christopher and eric thanks this is tdps